Well, hello, everybody. On today's call, we have the famous Lila Smith, who is all about saying things better and improving your communication on LinkedIn. Um, she's a communication and breakthrough coach, messaging consultant to thought leaders and entrepreneurs, as well as a certified UMAP coach. So welcome to the call, Lila. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on the interview today. Thank you so much for having me. Just in full transparency for your viewers and listeners, Derek and I have already been talking for like an hour because we just get along so well. So I don't know what's going to come up in this call, but I'm happy to share it with you. It's always a good talk. It's always a good conversation. And it's fun to have friends all over the world who we've met on LinkedIn, who we can have these kinds of conversations with, the kind of stuff we really love talking about. So whatever that is, Happy to have you with us and joining us for our conversation. We'll see what magic happens. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now, Lila, can you tell us a little bit about what, what it is that you actually do as a communication breakthrough coach? For coaching, it's really one-on-one. -on -one. And I also do group coaching through my mastermind group, the Say Things Better Mastermind. If you look up that hashtag, that should come up. But for communication coaching, I take people through a process. I start with UMAP now whenever possible, which is a formula of looking at these four different kinds of assessments of your strengths, your personal values, skills that you enjoy using, not just the ones that you're good at, and the way that you're wired as a human being to enjoy spending time in the world. So those four pillars of who you are are kind of my fast forward to getting to know someone. And it helps me to unlock secrets behind why people have held themselves back in communication, why people can't connect, why people are constantly misunderstood. And all of those things are universal problems, but the root causes of each of them is different for each of us. So I help people to find and understand what about them is the truth, is the, is the universal, like this is always gonna be who I am. And I do that because some communication coaches will give you best practices of how to connect with someone. And I don't believe in that. I think that each individual has their own style, their own personality, their own whole UMAP, this whole person who we are. We engage with the world in a way that nobody else does. So I help them to understand that about themselves first before they go out and engage, before they go out and communicate a message. And I help them to get clarity on messages that maybe they thought were clear and weren't as well. Uh, it's part of messaging consulting, but it's also always part of my communication coaching as well. And it happens really fast. Once you have these insights and somebody pointing out to you that, you know, you've got like spinach in your communication teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that you're doing that? And, and often it's no, or well, doesn't everyone do that? Like, doesn't everybody pitch themselves at networking events? And the answer is no, <laughs> we don't all do that. You're doing it. And I call it out and I give people different ways of connecting to parts of themselves that are authentic, that are going to resonate with the communication partner who's going to resonate with them. It's some of my favorite stuff that I do. Fantastic. Well, obviously, you're very passionate about your work you're, and you yes, enjoy your work. That's, that's clear for everybody to see. Can you tell us a little bit how you actually got started in your business? In communication? I mean, I have been an actress my whole life, a performer, a storyteller, 
somebody who connects and communicates through story and through seeing somebody else in the room and through really understanding who a character was that I was playing. So I had to step back and say, okay, this isn't me. I have a set of lines that a playwright has given me and they have information that is so rich and valuable. What are those people telling me about themselves when it says the playwright has written in um, storms off as a stage direction? It's so fascinating to see things like that because it's behavior and it's intentionally placed there to give you information about who someone is based on the impact that they had, the visible impact. It was so visible that someone wrote it into stage directions about a fictional character. So working backwards and working the other way to say, what starts in here, in your heart, that results in the impact of your communication was sort of natural to me. So I've been looking for the last few years at why am I a good communicator? And part of it is that I have communication as my number one driver strength, according mm -hmm. to the Gallup organization's Clifton Strengths Finder, which is the first pillar of UMAP. I have communication as a talent, a natural talent to take other people's thoughts and ideas and reactions and responses and to be able to understand them, articulate them and put them into words that make sense, not just to them, but for my own understanding of who somebody is. So I've always been curious and collecting those stories. I kind of had no choice but to do this. I, it's always who I've been. And when I knew and I started seeing those parallels between the communication work and developing others in their communication that I've always done and what the actual processes were that I had been taught as an actress in terms of approaching a character, I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't unknow it. So I created the Say Things Better method because most people don't go through 20 years of acting training. They yeah. don't have the same access to this kind of education. And I didn't think anyone was going to put themselves through it just because I said it really helps you to be a good communicator because people mostly think that they are good communicators, <laughs> which is fascinating because so many people, I mean, you know, <laughs> you're out there in the world. Some people just don't get it. And even those people I can help because I have a process that they can look at. Steps one through five. That's all that it is. It's a process the same as I was looking with acting tools at communicating somebody's story in a way that would connect to another actor on stage. I'm now helping people to con communicate in a way that's authentic to them, their own character, their true character and connect to the people who are in the room with them or yeah. who are their customers. And it feels like, it feels like magic that for some reason, not a lot of other people were talking about or seeing. And when I started talking about it and people said, that's really valuable. Can I pay you to do that for me and help me? My answer was, you, you, would, you would pay someone to do that? <laughs> it didn't start off as how can I make money? It started off as I have some value to offer and I think that I can really help people. Fantastic. And from passion is where it became like a job. Yep. And so how long have you actually been coaching people or, or talking to people about how to improve their communication skills? I've only been full-time in this since June 1st, 2018. So right. just over a year full-time. And I've been testing the theory and the method since December of 2017. And so the beginning uh, in January, 2018, 
I was testing it with people like Michael Spence and Shua Thompson. Uh, Michael Spence is in Buffalo and Shua Thompson is in Africa and Fiona Young who's in Hong Kong and testing out my method with them and asking them to articulate to me what verbs would guide their communication with their communication partner, which would be millennials or people that Shua leads or um, people who are going through digital transformation. What kind of verbs can guide your communication to make it more actively connective? Because that's a tool that we use in acting. Have you ever heard about that, using verbs on stage or in your communication? I've heard about NLP, but, but, um, which probably touches on the use of verbs, but I've never heard it described as the way that you describe it. I think of NLP as you know that you want to get something out of somebody. Um, and so you do what you think they're going to respond to in order to get what you want. And I find that manipulative and I feel like it's um, not sustainable and it doesn't build real connections. The way what some I people use it, yes, it can be. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that way about it. And I, that's not to say it doesn't achieve good results for people. And I don't judge anything that makes people feel comfortable and confident communicating. But it isn't how I approach work because there, there's a misconception that actors can go on stage and pretend to be somebody that they're not. Mm -hmm. But actually the good actors are going into our own history, our own context, our own beliefs and understanding about how we connect with others to get something that we want, to see what they want. And we're, we're going through our own truth in our own mind. And I've gone through processes I'm trained in starting from the Stanislavski system, which was brought over by Konstantin Stanislavski and the Moscow Art Theater to the United States uh, process of approaching the rehearsal process, the discovery of who it is that's communicating, that actor playing that character. Both people exist on stage, but what an audience sees is the truth of the actor through the imaginary circumstances of the character. So understanding our own personal truth and what we intentionally bring to the stage, that's the art that you're witnessing. That's what makes you feel that you are in a place that you almost have a window into somebody else's life. And it feels very real, so real that you're willing to suspend disbelief. You're sitting there in an audience in a chair next mm -hmm. to somebody else eating popcorn or snow caps. A curtain goes up and down, lights come on and off, you see set pieces moving and still you are engaged in that story. Still you are connected to that person on the stage because they are so intentional about bringing their truth forth. And that is what really good actors do. And yep. that is what I help really good communicators to do when they're passionate about connection, passionate about sharing their story. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the types of companies that you've actually worked with since your business got started just over a year or so ago? Yes, I've worked with um, companies like Circularis 8. They are a um, UK-based architecture firm. I've worked with somebody who is um, a confidential name, but I can tell you that she is initiating the foundation of the United Nations Association of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I've spoken at the Discover Your Personal Brand Conference and recently at the L10 Conference, Life Science Trainers, Life Science Trainers and Educators Network. I've worked for Acuity Brands, which is a company that went from about a billion dollars to a $4 billion size company within uh, just about three years. And so I've worked with them. 
both on talking through things that happen in rapid change and connecting to other departments and making sure everyone's still on the same page. And I've gone in for another time to work with them on developing and defining the brands of the products that they've offered as they've accumulated other brands, as they've brought things into their offering, how to differentiate those products from others that they already sold within architectural lighting and design. Wow. So that was, those are some of the companies I've worked for Later this summer, I'm going to be going to Africa, going to Tunisia to speak at the NATEG Days Conference to about 500 engineers. I'm going to come back into the States from that and speak to the Dallas Mavericks organization, doing a Verb Your Values workshop for them. They're a U.S. basketball team. And then I'm going to be going to Merck Pharmaceuticals at the end of August. So the company is within about a year that have found me through LinkedIn or through referral are, you know, these are not just mom and pop hardware shops, although I love <laughs> those people. And I'm always happiest when people come to me and they say, I think I could learn to communicate better. Can you help? And it doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the size is of their organization. I'm not limiting myself to only helping startups. I'm not niching into only helping coaches to define their message. I know that I could, that I could just focus on messaging for a certain group. But what I would rather do is focus on the way that I offer messaging services, the philosophy behind my communication coaching. It's mm -hmm. all about intentional communication. It's my methodology. It's based on what I've seen work in theater, what I give people to have as a foundation for their real life connection. So I think I might still be niche, but I am the niche. I'm it for where I am. So as, as people have actually found you or been referred to you, how has LinkedIn played a role in all of that and the growth of your business in the last 12 months or so? I already had a whole tribe, a whole network, an army ready to support me in anything I did. It's, you know, purely coincidental, really, that the work that I provide is good quality and people get results from my communication yeah. strategy for them. I already had people willing to like go to bat for me because of relationships that I've built and messages that I've exchanged back and forth. But mostly it's been the comments. Yeah. I post comments on LinkedIn. And when I do, I hope it's very high value for my communication partners. But also I'm there in the comments, engaging with people, getting to know them. I think that's where you and I got on a call was my saying, oh, you said something smart. Can we get on a, can we get on a Zoom call? Can I talk to you as soon as possible? How fast can we make that happen? And then it was like that night. Yeah. But that's what it is for me. I've been commenting on LinkedIn consistently. I only post content one, once or twice a month, but I'm commenting every single day since yeah. June 1st, 2017. Every single day. And actually started the day before that too. So I don't know what it is now, 750 consecutive days, something like that. But it's, it's a long time. And through that consistency, people have had an experience of me. Yes. Who I am, yeah. what I stand for, and how I can help them. Because so I'm consistency. following the same kind of people and saying, oh, I know Derek Mildred. He has a course coming up. You know, um, I think it's an incredible value if you're looking to leverage LinkedIn uh, as a way to grow your business and connect to other people in a way that feels, feels good and, and will actually make you some money. You might want to connect with him. And 
So I put comments like that around LinkedIn and the result is people understand that I'm very clear about what people do. Yeah. And if they can't say something that clearly about themselves, like I'm Lila Smith and I'm a messaging consultant and a communication coach and a speaker about intentional communication. And I run workshops for companies to help people connect and have clearer brand messaging. If they can't say something that is that clear about themselves, people don't know how to refer them. They don't know how to help them. And then they don't get the Lila Smith comment that says, well, do you know about that woman, Mary? I'm not really sure what she does, but she seems cool. You know, like that's great, but it doesn't actually lead to business. And that's where message clarity comes in, in my comments. It's where people see me showing them so that they can witness what I do in real time. Okay, so for the audience out there, that, that means, or, or obviously you should be consistent with your communications, your interaction on LinkedIn, but very importantly, to be clear, concise, and succinct with your why and your actual message about what it is that you do, how you help people, how you benefit people. Yeah. You know, you can, you can stay consistent in your comments back to people, not by saying, well, I have a program that does this thing, but by saying, any kind of uh, information that is relevant, that's a callback to that thing you do. So if it were you and you are a LinkedIn trainer and you have courses that you sell, what people would want to know in order to trust that that would be a good investment for them is what does it feel like to get feedback from him? Does he actually know what he's talking about? So leaving comments gives you the opportunity to plant like 20, 50 seeds every day of proof. Oh, you've, you've written this thing about how um, your business is looking to more purposeful content. So if that's the case, you can provide relevant feedback. You can provide some kind of feedback about how a company's employees can connect with their content and share it from their own profiles on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's the kind of advice that would be relevant coming from you you know, um, advice that would be relevant coming from somebody who manages a big department of people might want to say reinforcing their management and leadership brand. Well, with my team, what I do is, and share something relevant from their perspective. So commenting is a great opportunity to position yourself so that other people know what you do, but also because your position is where you have your value. You add different value in a comment because you are a LinkedIn trainer than somebody else would provide because they are a manager. So you're really deepening the connection with whoever posted it and the audience on LinkedIn, anybody else seeing, liking, commenting, that they get to see what you do too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because in my course, I actually have um, one of the chapters in there is over 50 conversation starters. And so there's actual different ways within LinkedIn that you can start a conversation. I want to see it. Yeah. And so there's over 50 of them. Give your, give your listeners like a freebie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Really simple. Just, just comment on a post. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, if if you're going to like a post, take it one step further and actually make a comment about it. But importantly, try to make that comment constructive. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, on, on many posts, you, you see, thank you for posting, great posts. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But maybe share a little bit, bit of insights. Tell, tell your audience why you feel that's a great post or, or 
what is it about that post that you identify with? How does that post make you feel? Or how does that quote make you feel? Or how can that post actually benefit you? Or, or can you see what's in that post being of benefit to you and how? And what would that mean to you and your business? That kind of thing. Elaborate a little bit. Tell people how you feel. Um, so that was one of 50 like ways to start a conversation. But yeah. the value that you just gave in that for all of the different ways that you can comment that was so valuable, just, just that little bit. I can't imagine how much value is actually in your program if that's what you give us, like the, the explanation of what one bit is. So really cool. To, <laughs> this is why I love getting on podcasts with experts and having these conversations with people. You just never know what kind of expertise gems are going to drop. You know, I know, I know this stuff about commenting because I'm communication strategist but your audience members are hearing this from you and this is the perfect example of proof this is why people trust you because when you are just naturally commenting from a place of your own expertise you have the work you have the quality there you don't have to make something up yeah you just say Thank here you. are the ways that you can comment yeah Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. To, to me, and it's, it's interesting uh, because just yesterday I put up a post um, which describes LinkedIn about or, or as being the world's largest database of businesses and their employees, which to me is exactly what it is. Um, yeah. But if from a more personal perspective, I see LinkedIn actually as a communication tool. It's a conversation starter. Okay, it's a little bit like what kind of things somebody might be open to talking about yeah. just based on the nature of the room that you're in. Exactly. What kind of communication event it is. It's, it's a conversation starter and there are so, so many different areas within LinkedIn that you can actually use or go to to start a conversation with somebody. Um, and earlier on, we were talking about networking events and how some people um, are a little bit introverted about networking events and going up to talking to people that they've never met before that they don't know and talking to people about their business or that person they're talking to's business. And some people are a little bit uncomfortable with that. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about LinkedIn is that you can actually make that approach by commenting on somebody's post or commenting on somebody's article or sending them a message and commenting on their profile. Okay. Yeah. And you don't have to get dressed and go out either. You could just be at home with no pants and a pizza. You'd be amazed at what people wear behind the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that why people use LinkedIn? No. <laughs> when I first met you, I was wearing, uh, maybe don't use that kind of, of comment, but, uh, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, that is who I am. Sorry? I said, if this is the sound bite, that's fine with me. That is who I am. You know, but it is, it is a really good point. Like you, you don't always have to go out and wing it. No. You can look people up on LinkedIn and see all kinds of conversation starters about them. Exactly. They put them out there. Exactly. And the, the beautiful part, to me, the beautiful part about LinkedIn is it's, it's all about establishing, building and nurturing that relationship. And um, it's, it's, some people even describe it as a little bit like dating. Um, if you met somebody in a nightclub or if you met somebody in a bar and if, and if you went in for the clothes straight away or for the pitch straight away, um, nine times out of 10, that's going to fail and you're going to bomb dismally. But if you work on establishing, building and nurturing that relationship, then you never know what might happen. And, and that's the whole thing. With LinkedIn. That's the whole thing with LinkedIn is to get that conversation started, get that 
establishment building of that relationship. And then what you'll literally find is when people are ready to hear more about what you do, when they actually contact you, um, their minds in many cases are already made up that they yeah. will go ahead with you provided the pricing is within their expected price range. Right. Yeah. And it's quite extraordinary because and, you know, even if it's not, um, if their mind is already made up about your value and yeah. the price range that you have for your services is not accessible. Like one, always have an earlier entry, um, lower price range product that you can offer people, even yeah. if it's using FYI.to to create a curated smart list of your own content that you can give someone for free. Say, yeah. okay, you can't work with me now, but here's some content that I think would be relevant for you that I've already shared for free. Then you get to still maintain the quality of that relationship and you should have things for them. But even if you don't, and it's really just about the price, they still might know someone else yes. who would benefit from your services that they're already sold on. Yeah. So they're your ambassador now. You just you can't treat people with disrespect just because they're outside of your price range. And I've seen that happen with people. Um, somebody asked me if I wanted to go to, I don't even remember what country it was, but they were putting on this whole speaker training um, or and, and like video, getting video content of yourself speaking on a stage and like, I'm already speaking on stages, you know, I, I have video of that and I know the difference. Like I know that the value would be having a real photographer there to make sure you look good doing that and that they get your angles and that they capture the right bits. So I do get the value, but it was definitely outside of my price range for where my priorities for growing my business were at the time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't have considered it later because I did understand the value, yeah. but the way that I was treated when I said, you know what, that's not where I want to spend my money right now. Like, I think it was something like $15,000. And I was like, do you know what I could do with $15,000? You know, I've always been a really good shopper, <laughs> but I could, you know, trademark something. I could invest in new artwork for my branding, which I've now done uh, with Volta Evolution Smith, the watercolor artist. Right. And there are just, there's so many things that I could do, get an office or travel to someplace or give away some value for free to somebody I care about and invest in the community in some way. There just are so many higher priorities that I have than what that service was. And again, it's not that I didn't know the value of it, but the price was not in accordance with where my objectives were. And as soon as the guy on the other end of the phone found that out, he couldn't get off the phone fast enough. Like he was wasting time with me. And it was so short-sighted because first of all, I talk to people all the time and I do carry influence. People listen to what I say because they know I know who does things really well. They know that I vet options before I recommend them. They know that I really only talk about the people that I believe in, but I talk about those people all the time. And this opportunity could have been right for someone else had I been treated with respect as a communication partner rather than just as a target for a sale. Was there any follow-up from them at all? No. Never. I wonder if now that I've talked about it on this podcast, which I've never talked about before to anyone, um, I wonder if following this, I'll hear something, but my, um, my guess is probably not. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so, so two lessons there for, for everybody watching. One, um, always, always follow up, not once, but several times, but do it in a nice, respectful and tactful way. 
Um, but the other thing which is really important is the way that you treat somebody, the way that you treat a prospect after they've turned you down at that particular time does not necessarily right. mean the interest is not there. It's just not suitable right. at that particular time. Um, right. I would love to buy a particular car tomorrow, but um, if that car's not suitable for me or if I can't afford it tomorrow, it's going to have to wait for a year down the track or two years down the track or, or whenever. So you, you, sometimes the timing's not just right. And from anybody in a sales perspective, you've got to respect that. You've got to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I there are these a lot of these like conquer it, get the yes, get the sale, get the you know, get it right away. Um, and so what happens is that targets who are really communication partners are treated as adversaries to conquer. Like if you get somebody to say yes to you, then you've you've like really fooled them. Is that really how you want to sell? Like by tricking somebody into saying yes to something? It just feels icky. I just don't like that kind of communication. And I'm happy to be sold to if something is relevant to me. Yeah. I don't even need people to like beat around the bush all that much. If they really send me something that is relevant, I will buy things. You know, yeah. I have money that I'm making that I'm ready to invest in different ways. And now I'm going to obviously get uh, like hundreds of sales emails. But then if that's the case, if you want to sell me something, I'll tell you right now how to get the yes. Let's say, for example, you are a social media services provider. Go through my existing social media. Make the effort. If you don't make the effort, then you have nothing relevant to say to me. Yeah. I don't care what you offer. I care what you think I need of what you offer. Yeah. So go through what I already have and say, you know what? It looks like you get great traction on your videos on LinkedIn, but I don't see that you have any kind of substantial YouTube channel, which is true. And, and now I'm going to get the YouTube channel emails from the people who are listening, but I welcome them. I welcome it. I welcome it. Say, look, I heard you on the podcast with Derek Mildred and here's what you said. Give me the relevance and I'll give you the dollars. It yeah. just has to make sense. And your quality of work also has to be really good. And you have to have somebody vouch for you if you want like an immediate yes. Otherwise, I have to be really convinced to spend my time looking at your website and vetting your work. And I'm probably not going to do that if we don't have a relationship at the beginning. Exactly. So exactly. That's where, that's how to sell me. I've just given you the formula. Yeah. Is it, and, and I did a post on this just the other day. Um, it's all about WIFT, which is what's in it for them. Okay, so for any salespeople out there, you've got to think along the lines of what's in it for your prospective buyer. What do they get out of it? They don't care about you or your company or your business or your services or what you have to offer. They care what's in it for them. And it's that's true. what they want to know about. When you share this podcast or, or wherever you park it, you should put a link back to that post. I saw it. It was really good. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and yes, we, we certainly will do. So you, you mentioned earlier on that you, you get a lot in the way of referrals, which is interesting yeah. to hear about. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? Yeah, I have. I mean, the easiest place to point to and say this is a form of referral is the LinkedIn recommendations on my profile. Yeah. So in that area, there are two things happening. There are recommendations that are received and recommendations that are given. I will go after I have spoken at a conference where I feel like people really went out of their way to make me feel comfortable to connect the audience to the speaker 
to provide you know a really smooth seamless experience or to put together a really engaging event that was very high value i always at all of these events i'll go to all of the classes myself too because i'm already there you know getting paid to speak i'm kind of there for free so <laughs> i take all the classes and i and i like to be able to include that information when i write my recommendation of them of the conference organizers and i always give thanks for including me and i explain why i felt that the conference was of value not just to me as a speaker but to the attendees so that is a referral given out people can then look at my profile look at the recommendations that i've given and see what's important to me about an experience and they also see that i give props where they're due and then in my recommendations received that's a referral that is parked on your website or on your LinkedIn profile forever. Same as testimonials would be wherever you would share them. People are doing the work for me, talking about the results that they've gotten. And there are, I mean, dozens, I don't know, 50, 100, I have no idea, like a lot of recommendations on my profile from people who have worked with me and yeah. gotten results. Not just people who like me and said nice things, people who have worked with me on projects and have gotten results. They've made money in their business because I've given them communication strategies that connect. They felt confident talking about themselves for the first time. They connected with somebody else in a way that changed the trajectory of their career because they sat next to me on an airplane and worked with me until we landed. Um, there's a guy who has five LinkedIn connections currently. His name is Ian and he wrote that recommendation. He's a math PhD student. I love that one. That's a Fantastic. referral to people. Yeah. And so that's one thing. The other thing is people are always talking about what I do because it's transformational. When you go from being stuck, how do I talk about this? Or I don't even know what's special about me to talk about. Why should somebody work with me instead of with someone else? I help them with those things. So the referrals are natural. Um, they don't usually come from people that I'm in competition with, but I don't actually really believe in competition. There are other messaging consultants that you can work with. There are other communication coaches. You could work with Jamie Cohen with the right words. You could work with Zach Messler on messaging, especially where it comes to talking about a, um, like a technical product that you wanna make accessible. And I have no qualms about recommending those people who do things similarly to what I do, because I don't believe in competition. Someone's gonna work with me or they're gonna work with them. And if they have a great experience, awesome. Go, have your great experience. I'm really confident in my messaging, in the way that I connect, and in the value that I give to my clients. So I refer people who are in the same field as me all the time if I can't take the work, or I just think they might be better suited, like for what I just said about Zach, um, Zach Messler. So that kind of referral, the giving out referrals also begets referrals. When you talk to people and you say, I know someone that would be great for you, you stick in their head as somebody who is willing to give and they then are more incentivized also because you've given them additional value of that connection to refer you right back. Yeah. And when people go through my work, I do reinforce as we go, here's what you've just learned. Here's what you've just learned. Yeah. Here's what you've learned. And going through the results and saying, remember that thing that you learned? Here's how it manifested and changed things for you. Here's how this thing that we talked about now has given you the tools that you need to feel more comfortable in that weird family dynamic where you're not really sure how to talk about 
something like a recent divorce, you know, um, on social media, it, things like that are things that people come to me about. How yeah. do I talk about this? I'm going to a family event and I've been through those conversations myself. You know, I know how hard it is and I have strategies that people can use. So they write the referrals themselves because it's meaningful work, Absolutely. but I do help them. When people go through my mastermind or they have sat, you know, in an audience with me or they've worked with me on a project, if I'm willing to recommend them myself for the experience of working with them, then I'll write that and I will call out in detail a couple of bullet points of what I felt they did really well for things that meant something to me. And that will make it into the recommendation. And if I then write to them and I say, would you be open to writing a recommendation for my LinkedIn profile? Here are some things that I think worked particularly well about our collaboration. And I would do bullet points, one, two, three. And I would say, let me know if you'd like a template for introducing me or writing this recommendation. Um, it could look something like this. And then I'd give a very rough draft. And if somebody wants me to write it, I will write it myself too. Yep. And also like introductions. Introductions being the strongest, most direct, inclusive of social proof referral that you can get. So let's say that I wanted to introduce somebody to you directly, that would have a higher uh, correlation with conversion. So if they wanted to like end up buying your course, yes, and it does. they need me to be influential because they already have a relationship with me and I'm the one to make the introduction to you, then not only does the quality of your course speak for itself because you already have content about it, because you already are established with your personal brand as a LinkedIn expert, but also because my recommendation comes with weight for the person that I'm introducing. Yeah. So if I were you asking for that introduction, I would say, Hey, Lila, you know, who could really benefit from going through this course and is somebody that I think that, you know, um, you know, I don't know, like I'll just pick, um, Shar Auckland, who I know is looking to have more local business in Tampa, Florida, where she lives and works as a UMAP holistic health, and wellness coach. So um, also a friend, also a client of mine, and I am of hers. Uh, so if I were to refer her, um, you would ask me, would you refer me to Shard? Would you introduce me? Here's why I think I would be of value to her. Here's why my course might be relevant to her. And then just like before, when I suggested that people who are selling me explain the relevance, you would have the job of explaining to me why it's relevant for Shard. Yes. That I feel a hero when I make that referral and you go in you, to her profile, you do some research. And when you write to me, you say, I think that I can help her increase her local business. She mentioned things about being Florida, you know, located. Um, here are some things that I, I think um, might be opportunities for her. I address those things in my course in, um, I don't know, episode two, module four, whatever that is. Um, would you be willing to make that introduction? Yep. And that would make it very easy for me, very obvious to say, absolutely. Are you still there? I am, sorry. sorry. <laughs> that's, that's okay. That, that's fantastic. And it's thank you for, for all of those little insights there, those little tips and snippets and information, invaluable information that you've given to the audience. It's interesting what you say there about your competition because um, I have a, a great friend on LinkedIn. We've only known each other via LinkedIn. We haven't actually physically met yet. She's a lovely lady based in LA. Her name's Rhonda Scher. And oh, I know. Absolutely. She's great. 
Yeah. Um, and I reached out, we connected uh, a good several years ago, probably about three or four years ago. Um, but I reached out to Rhonda when I was building my course. And in the initial message that I sent to her, I said, look, I know you're a, you're a competitor to mine. Um, we both help people get better results on LinkedIn, but I also believe that there's enough business to go around for everybody. And that even though we might be competitors directly, that does not necessarily mean that we cannot talk to each other, we cannot exchange notes, we cannot help each other. And so we've actually built this relationship and we've become extremely good friends out of it. And LinkedIn has this, this sense of community where yeah. there's a, a, a lot of people on LinkedIn who are basically willing to help you, provided you just reach out. And it's quite extraordinary to be part of that. It really is. It, it's, it's a different way of thinking to how people have thought in years gone by where you kept your cards guarded against your competitors. You, you didn't want to right. share everything that you, you were, were on about. Um, this is what we were talking about with that algorithm before and how I feel like social yeah. media platforms should be upfront with what their algorithm is so that their users can be successful, not yeah. just marketers who will figure it out anyway. Yeah. But it, it's exactly what it is. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I love that you're talking to Rhonda. I mean, I know that she knows her stuff, but if you think about it this way, right? Let's say there are, let's say there are 500 fellow LinkedIn trainers that the people who follow you are also following. Unlikely, by the way, that somebody's following 500 LinkedIn trainers, but if they're following 500 of them, you can build up your following, your relationships, people who are going to want to work with you. Yeah. And if you just practically, there are a half a billion users of LinkedIn. Do you have that many hours in the day that <laughs> you can help all of those people directly? No. Even if it's your course and you say, sure, I could just like, you know, send a link and they could buy it. Maybe, um, but would your course be the right fit for half a billion people? Probably not. And I know that my methods aren't the right fit for everybody, but they're the right fit for people who really care about connection, really care about being authentic to themselves when they communicate and having it feel right when they yes. share their messaging, what they're proud of. Yeah. So that, that's one of the beautiful things about LinkedIn is, is, I mentioned earlier, you get to establish, build and nurture relationships, but you can also build communities around your, your circle of influence, your areas of expertise, the, mm -hmm. the products or services that you offer or the type of business that you're in. And that can be an invaluable support mechanism for you in your future endeavors and growth of your actual business or whatever it is that you actually do. It's quite extraordinary. It is. You can keep it right there on LinkedIn too. You can do group messages. You can yeah. do... Um, I actually have a group, my mastermind, I run through a private LinkedIn group. Yeah. And then I also am developing an alumni group, which is also a private group, but it's for anybody who's ever come through the Say Things Better mastermind and it's free. And I put additional content in there sometimes, but really the point is just to continue those connections, continue the conversations around intentional communication. What did we learn? Where are we growing? Continue to keep that going. So there are whole communities that develop within just the group of alumni who've come through this. I get to then still stay connected to them as they stay connected to say things better and what we're all trying to accomplish here. Yeah.
Absolutely. So, Lila, tell me, what, uh, what are the three things that people should not do or change within their communications, uh, if possible, within how they operate on LinkedIn that you would suggest? Not change. Um, I would say something that happens a lot of the time is that you will over-formalize because you think, I'm on a social, I'm on like a social media networking platform, sure, but it's all professional. So let me delete my personality um, in favor of feeling formal and official and impressive. So as soon as you try to impress, you become unimpressive. You become another talking head who wants to hear themselves talk. Right. So don't do that. Don't try to over-impress by deleting who you are. Just, you know, stay true. That's number one. Um, two other things that you shouldn't do uh, when you're communicating. You should not, um, I mean, this should go without saying, but my goodness, like enough with the sparkling rose emojis, you know, unless it's me sending one to Anna Sabino as a joke because we're friends, like don't send people romantic overtures. You're <laughs> on a professional networking platform. Yes. Don't let that be, or at least don't let it be your first message. You know, if it's your 40th, you know, you have some context like I do with Anna. And you know when someone is open to that and when they're not. Yeah. And if you're assuming rather than knowing, that's a really good litmus test for just don't send it. Yeah. So that's the second thing you should not do. The third thing that you should absolutely never do on LinkedIn with your communication is make something up that is not true because you are interesting enough. So one, it really devalues your own life experience when you try to over-impress. Again, it's over-impressing. But trying to connect with somebody in a way that isn't authentic, that isn't true, you'll forget what you said. It'll be in some comment somewhere. And then people have missed out on a chance to really know who you are. Yeah. I see people writing posts, writing stories that aren't theirs. You know, they're taking work that's not theirs. They're, um, you know, plagiarizing things. Or they're just making stuff up to make a point. And I just think it's such a waste. What a waste of content space. You could be yourself in there. You could be magnetizing your communication partner to you so that in that moment that they are engaging with you, they know a little bit more about why they can trust you to be exactly who you actually are and not who you're pretending to be. It's a lot easier to be genuine and authentic. Yeah, it's really relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> like earlier, you know, said like LinkedIn's a great way to network. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you can be at home with no pants and a pizza. That's me. I know that that could end up on LinkedIn, but that's who I am. And if somebody's not comfortable with that, like that's kind of who I am at work too, you know? So if that kind of joke makes you uncomfortable, like don't hire me to work in-house at a company with a compliance department where that's going to have a problem with that in HR. Yeah. But my clients are going to be like, okay, that person who talks like that, she sounds like me. She sounds like fun. And I want to work with her. And I am fun. And fun is one of my primary values. So I want the people who are drawn to that. I want the people who are drawn to the fun. Yep, absolutely. I can see what's going to happen in the next week or two. We're, we're bound to see somebody put up a post saying, this is what I wear when I write my LinkedIn content and they'll have a pizza. <laughs> <in front of> them. <laughs> I mean, like, and they'll be sitting there wearing now, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> the first time all day. <laughs> especially over there with you guys going through the middle of your summer right now <laughs> yeah in dallas <laughs> right exactly 
you won't see it from people here in Australia because it's the middle of winter, but <laughs> over there, in the middle of your summer, we just might. Your overcoat, like no pants, but an overcoat. <laughs> oh, that's even more scary. <laughs> okay. Um, this, is, this is what happens when you communicate as yourself on LinkedIn. You end up having the conversations that you can be yourself in, having a good time. There is no shortage of value on this call. But you and I have enjoyed our time together because we're natural communication partners. Absolutely. We just have fun talking. So why should it not be like that? When you're looking for who you want to work with, you should be looking and listening for the people whose voices sound like the ones you want around you in a room. Yes. And you can't trust anybody's voice if they've deleted it, if they've made things up, if you're making things up, you're not present in that moment. Yeah. So, you know, those are three things people shouldn't do. But the number one thing that people should do is share authentically. And the other thing that people should do is listen. Okay. Well, you've just answered my next question, which is what key takeaways can, can people <laughs> apply and get a result with ASAP? So basically share content authentically and listen to your audience. And it's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. And it's, it, it is. It is. It's, it's extremely easy. Um, other thing is verb your values like is the fifth step of the say things better method so if you've got two minutes to play a game with me we can include it in the podcast sure let's go okay pick up any um any book or piece of writing around you and it can't be words that you've written like not a journal okay got it okay and open to any page and select a short sentence it can be anything um one of the sentences i've used before is these tortillas are soggy Another one is I had pizza last night. I don't know why pizza keeps coming up. And it could be anything. It could be um, the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. Whatever the words are that you see, yep. you are now the playwright and I'm the actress. So I'm asking you to give me a line. Okay. Unless you definitely decide to organize them into a plan of action. Okay. I'm just, that's long. So I'm just going to go with, Decide to organize them into a plan of action. Okay. That's a new, new statement. Decide to organize them into a plan of action. Um, it's a commanding statement. Um, decide to organize them into a plan of action. And now that I've repeated it a few times, I now know my line. I'm off book, which means that I don't have to look at it to know it. Uh, decide to organize them into a plan of action. These are the words. Right now, they mean nothing to me. They aren't even my words. But what I want to do is illustrate how connective it can be or how disconnective if we do or don't organize our intentions before we speak. Um, tell me the line again, organize them. Um, now I've forgotten my line after saying how good I was in memory. Definitely them. decide to organize them into a plan of action. Decide to organize them into a plan of action. Okay. So if you decide with my communication, I want to decide to organize them into a plan of action. That's what I want you to do. How do I convince you to do that? How do I connect with you from a place that feels authentic to me? Um, I could decide to uh, dismiss you. Um, look, uh, decide to organize them into a plan of action. You know, um, or I could decide to intimidate. Decide to organize them into a plan of action. Yeah. Or I could decide to comfort you decide to organize them into a plan of action or i could decide to um to flirt you know uh decide to organize them into a plan of action 
<laughs> and I could decide, um, I'm going to get a lot of weird messages after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, and, I, and a lot of sparkling rose gifts too, or gifts, whatever. Um, I say gifts. Uh, decide to organize them into a plan of action with my verbs, which come from my heart. They come from my values. When I say verb your values, I mean you decide what action your communication takes. And a verb is an action word, so it's just descriptive of that action. So I choose to affirm, and I say, decide to organize them into a plan of action. Or connect is my second verb, to connect. Decide to organize them into a plan of action. And the third one is to empower. So I might go decide to organize them into a plan of action. And no matter what, I've read this, this line now a bunch of times, it sounds different, not because I have changed my voice or the tone of voice or even the words that I use. I just decide how to communicate, what my intentions are to take communication from here in my head to out there in yours. I've made it move. I've sent it on a journey and I've sent it with a nice little packed lunch of intention, a little brown paper bag of to, inf- to affirm, to connect and to empower. And that's how I wanted you to receive it. So that's the final piece of advice that I have that's actionable. It could change your life if you try it tonight, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. The next person that you communicate to, decide what you want to do with your communication and let whatever the words are that come out, come out, whether it's good morning or, hey, I hope to work with you again sometime. Whatever it is that you're saying, decide what your intentions are for you to make them feel and pick the things that are authentic to you. What are your values? Put them into verb form and then communicate with that direction. Fantastic. I love it. It's, it's all in the delivery, isn't it? Um, and I mean, we, we've all had uh, times when we, it just felt like we came out with exactly the right uh, sentence or phrase or statement and it's, it's worked extremely well for us. And then we also all know that uh, the times when we've put our foot in it and we've come out and said something that maybe we could have said just that little bit better. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we've all been better, come to me come see me and i'll help you <laughs> we've Loved all been you up with communication tools <laughs> fantastic well thank you lila it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to to run this interview with you and, and have this conversation yeah, it's really got me talking <laughs> it's, it's it's been great it, it really has um so thank you very much for being on the interview today much appreciated thank you for having me uh, if anybody listening is interested in working with me or or just wants to reach out um let me know what your favorite part of this episode was and what your favorite part of my conversation with derek was or any questions that you had i really want to know what the relevance to you was of this episode you in particular yes you fantastic well thank you so much for being on the call today and and we've thoroughly enjoyed it so thank you also from our audience